I'm going to come to America. I'm going to find whatever desperate actress gave you a voice, and I'm going to go in an electric chair for you. Scotland, you bastard. Scotland. Scotland. Say again, mate. You fucking will be. Um, <laughs> mate, I'm trying to get a fucking fence built here. Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork podcast and our second preview of the week. Euro's fever is proper heating up, and that's especially in Scotland, with the men's national team just hours away from taking part in their first international tournament since 1998. However, it's not just about being there, it is about the taking part, and at least on paper, Scotland have a great chance to add three points to their tally immediately when they face the Czech Republic, who they've already beaten twice in the past year, at Hamden on Monday. And to chat the game with myself as three bona fide Scotland fans, first and foremost, regular contributor, and a man that's so Scottish, he's named after half of the country, Scott Kennedy, how are you doing now? You all right? Not too bad, mate. I'm uh, <clears throat> no longer into the old five-a-side. I was... Scotland shirt on, pretending I was uh, Stephen O'Donnell, but turned out more Daniel O'Donnell. So hi, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm not bad. No, just 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 off the back of watching Scotland women, actually, funnily enough. So uh, really, really on 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 point and, and on topic. Uh, one 0 win, if anyone's wondering. Returning to the show, Daily Records, Gabe. Uh, you joined us ahead of the game for the Scotland preview, the tournament preview. But how are you keeping, mate? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. Happy, happy to be back. Haven't been out playing fives, but I am also I'm wearing a '90s Fiorentina shirt, pretending I am in fact Gabriel Batistuta and not Gabriel Mackay. It's a wonderful, wonderful shirt. Although it is only an audio podcast, it's it's that nice. We should have done this video podcast. I think <laughs> like Fiorentina Batistuta shirts of the '90s are exactly where it's at, and Sampdoria and Parma, for the record. Cool. I could do a whole podcast on that. Um, and last but certainly not least, my, my workmate, my workmate, my, my pal, my friend um, at the Edinburgh Evening News and weatherman extraordinaire, for those of you who do watch the videos, Jacob Ford. Jacob, how are you doing, mate? You all right? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Just getting in the vibe and the build up to the Euros. And yeah, just found out on, on Monday that I'd won my tickets in a ballot. So I've ordered the old line rampant flag and the old 96 euro top and spent far too much on memorabilia online this sort of, uh, this week. All ready for a 1-0 defeat or something just in typical Scottish fashion. <laughs> That's a, a drab 0-0. <laughs> um, I'll stick with you, Jacob, first and foremost, because of that very reason. Uh, we'll go in reverse order, but you're one of the four of us that have actually got a ticket for the game. I'm hoping that's going to change because obviously I live at Hamden, so I'm just going to... Um, but at the moment, you're the only one with a ticket. So the short question is, how excited are you for going to a game of football? I'm absolutely buzzing, but there is that feeling of guilt because this is actually my first ever Scotland game. I'm not one of these guys that's been to, you know, Russia, San Marino, you know, all these other places. So I can tell I'm already going to get, you know, some some bad mojo from that. But I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing. When we when we went to the draw, I thought there's absolutely no chance we're getting it. I'd got tickets in Bucharest, Budapest, everywhere else, and was actually planning on just going to go out there. But due to COVID, ended up being the fact that you can't, and so we've ended up keeping the tickets. So, yeah, man. Decent, in it? 
I'm a, I'm a bit good because I do me run every day around Hamden and the fences are getting further and further closer to my house to keep people out to you like not going to the game almost like a, a total shutout like you're not coming in by the way there's no way you're scaling these fences no matter what you do I bet someone tries but um, yeah it's a bit it's a bit gutting um, Scott real real chance here to, to kind of make a massive statement um, four of the six sides can qualify by finishing third which is kind of the first time in a while Um you're playing a side you've beaten twice in recent memory, like really recent memory. That is certainly not the side that they were. You've got home stadium, home advantage completely with the fans in there for the first time. And I'm going to say 15 months. It could be longer because I can't quite remember when the last Scotland game with fans was. But but how important is it that with all of that in your favour and all that that's at, um, at stake that you do get those three points on, on Monday? I think when you sort of dig down below the the build-up and the excitement and that all have qualified and it's going to be coming soon. The game on Monday is huge. You know, I think of the three, um, you know, as I've said numerous times, I think if Hamden was full, I would confidently predict that we would win both games at Hamden. Um, I don't know how that's going to be affected with the, <clears throat> the reduced fans and stuff. However, the game on Monday, if we win the game on Monday, you know, potentially... As you say, Graham, with the way that the, the tournament is set up, three points could potentially be enough to get you through. And when we're playing at home in the first game against probably, I don't want to say the weakest team in the group, but the team in the group, which, as you say, we've got a good record against, we're at home. And I think that would be one of the games that we would be most likely to win. And I do think that it is absolutely massive. Yeah, because realistically, I think I was listening to sort of a few podcasts this week. If you were saying you win one game and you've you've pretty much got a chance of going through, you've got to be like really unlucky if you if you win one and don't get through because then all you've really got to do is draw another one. And it's, it's like, like, did Portugal not win it the last time and they like drew every game up to like the semi final? Something that like is that. hundred percent correct. They won one game maybe, or they drew every game. They came third in their groups, got through, and then uh, I think they must have they, even drawn in the third. They beat Wales. <clears throat> Wales was the only side they beat on the way through. So, um, I think I could be wrong with this, but like I think they drew all the way, at the, more or less all the way at the final mm-hmm. um, without scoring in a few games. So, I mean, they've got Ronaldo on the team as well. So, and it's even easier to qualify now, so no excuses. Um, Gabe, so, so same question to you, I think, without putting too much pressure on the Scotland team, which I'm sure they do listen to this podcast before the games. Um, you've got to hope, haven't you? That, you know, Scotland win this game um, or at least take something from it because it's, you've got to give yourself a chance to get at least three or four points to, to give yourself the best chance probably ever of getting in the last 16. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit worried. I think we've got, I think it's maybe just my natural Scotch pessimism kicking I was going to say, I that's think, just par for the course, isn't it, mate? Like, I think we're just course. in a situation where I think that maybe Croatia are not as good as we think they are. And I think the Czechs are probably better than a lot of people think they are. Um, you know, I watched, I watched the friendly the other night. They've obviously, they've got, the issues, particularly uh, in the centre of defence, but there are a lot of good players in that team. And I just worry that, you know, we know how it goes with Scotland. We've got this game that everybody thinks, and you'd have to say on paper, it is the most winnable game that everybody's right up for it. And then we just get there and you get that thing where you get 10 minutes in and go, oh, actually, these lot are handy. Um, so I think obviously it is the most, the most winnable game on paper. And the thing is, if you get that out of the way, then... As you say, you can go through 
in third place with one win. And then the pressure, I mean, obviously the pressure is always going to be on against England, but the pressure is very much off in two games where you're not favourite anyway. I've just got that, I think I've just got that little bit of Scottishness in me that um, having sort of watched a couple of the Czech games and the sort of build up to it, I think they're a better team than they're being given credit for in a lot of places. And I think, I don't think it'll be an easy game on Monday at all. I mean, obviously, it's, it's worth remembering as well, which I completely forgot about, but they beat England in qualifying. I actually well, watched so... that game back just today in uh, preparation for this. Now, obviously, they lost the away game 5-0, but that game in Prague, I mean, they, they were, I mean, it was 2-1. They were by far the better team, especially the first half. I think Southgate sort of went with a 4-2-3-1, which is the system the Czechs play. And they were all over England in that first half. And, you know, they've got the, sort of five or six of their starting 11 will be either current or ex-Slavia Prague players. We've seen they've been in the Europa League quarterfinals two of the last three seasons. We've seen what guys like Socek and Tofal have done in the Premier League. So I think I think there is an element where you look at it and a lot of them because they're playing in the Czech Republic and maybe people don't watch them as much. And there isn't a guy, I mean, you know, there isn't a, a guy in that team. It's not, it's not like, you know, they should, I mean, they really probably should have won the competition in 2004 when they had your checking goals and Ned Fed and Rosetsky and all that. They don't have that quality of player, but I do, I do have the fear that they're kind of going a little bit um, underrated and we could be, I mean, I think we'll definitely be in for a game on Monday, but I do have that kind of Scottish worry that I think going back through major tournaments where, you know, you turn up and think you're playing, ah, we'll, we'll beat Peru, and then you turn, oh, actually, no, Peru are very good. I think uh, we might kind of be in that situation a little bit, but that's probably just my natural uh, pessimism. I think on the, the sort of preview show we did, I was talking it all up, and the closer it gets, I'm like, nah, no, it's, it's all going wrong. No, nah, we're going to lose. It's not going to happen. I think it's just difficult for a Scotland fan to kind of preview any other team that isn't Israel, if I'm completely honest with you. Like, <laughs> yeah, the true. simple fact that you've played them about 100 times. Um, so the, I think there was a point where it's like, who you play next week to, to, to Ashley? Uh, my girlfriend, for those listening. Uh, Israel. Again? Yeah. And next week and the month after that. And then we'll play them again in six months. So if it was an Israel podcast, we'd know them inside out. It'd be absolutely fine. Um, as it is, it's the Czech Republic. Um, um but Scotland have actually only lost two of their last 10 games, uh, randomly enough. What what do you put that down to? Do you think that losing only two of the last 10 games, where has that come from? I think it's just come from Steve Clark. Like, when you've seen what he's done at Kilmarnock, he's just sort of like a master at getting a squad together of players that, you know, people sort of write off. When he came in uh, Scotland, you know, the national mood was really low. Like it was, everyone was looking at the appointment as, you know, a sort of gamble. But I think it's fair to say, like, we're we're quite hard to beat. I think you go into a game now and I think we could draw with the Czech Republic in the first game. And that's not a disaster because I think we're going to be difficult to beat down at Wembley. And I think we're going to be difficult to beat for Croatia. And Scott mentioned, well, you and Scott had mentioned that about Portugal. I genuinely think that's the type of team that Scotland are going to be in this tournament. They're going to be, you know, really difficult to beat because there is this togetherness. And there's almost that modesty, but there's a confidence within it. You don't have, I don't know, maybe the arrogance. Uh, former Scotland squads had a lot of, you know, old firm players that were used to, you know, winning trophies all the time. It was really, it feels like a different vibe. It feels younger. It feels fresher. It feels more professional. And I think Steve Clark's brought that. Like, you look at what he's done throughout his career from Chelsea to, you know, we touched on Kelly, like he is just great at building solid squads. 
quite funny that I was uh, talking about the squad there. I was listening to a podcast earlier, which is a great podcast for what it's worth, but they were chatting about uh, Group D. And I went, oh, the thing was with Scotland's team, it's like it's chock full of, you know, mainly Rangers and Celtic players. Now I was like, hang on a minute, what? <laughs> it's definitely not. Um, and there's an I mean, I don't think England have necessarily been as tested as a lot of people think they are. I think we often get caught up in the bubble whenever you are in the UK, like of, you know, the English sort of hype. But I mean, they've been beaten by Denmark. They've been beaten by the Czech Republic. They've been beaten by teams who, when you look at their squads on paper and the teams that they play for, they aren't miles away from the Scotland squad. So I don't think that gulf in class, like I can't see, and this might come back to bite me, but I can't see us getting beat 3-4-5-0 off of England. No, I just don't see that under Steve Clark. Like I, I genuinely think if we get beat, it's going to be a 1-0, a 2-1. It's going to be a close game. <sighs> I think it would, it's not feasible to think you could come back from a draw from every game as well in a kind of really weird way. And I don't know if that means you could. I'm going to say I think you could because obviously we've touched on three points being there. So technically three points could kind of work. Um, on, on the flip side of that, and I'll, I'll come to you, Scott, with this. Um, we talked about there's only been two, two defeats in the last 10. Um, I'm counting the penalty games as draws so to speak, in the 90 minutes. Um, so on the flip side of that, you know, there's been those penalty wins, but it's, it's there's been a lot of draws within those 10 games as well. There's not been a great deal of wins, not a great deal of defeats, a lot of draws. And just as we were touching on draws and, and whatnot and so on and so forth, it's probably worth me asking, but I, I think wins will be needed at some point during the tournament or would be handy, shall we say. So when it comes to games like England away, uh, Czech Republic, Monday, Croatia, probably a team that are there or they're about the same level of might as England, maybe slightly less because their players are raging. Do you want to see him be pragmatic and be Steve Clark that you've seen so far? Or would you like to see him take the shackles off a little bit and just go for it? Uh, maybe in the final. Maybe, you know, we'll just go for it in the final. But uh, as we build up to that, I think, you know, <clears throat> it's funny that you, you say that, Graham. I was talking to a, a somebody my colleague at work today about it and that's what that's the word that he used to describe he is also uh, an Englishman and he described watching Scotland recently as someone who who lives in Scotland as, as them being pragmatic and you know I have a feeling that we might see a different look to the Scotland squad I don't think you know it's tournament football you know when you're going through the qualifiers the aim is to get to the tournament we're at the tournament let's be honest here we're not going to win it, right? So what we want to do is we want to go as far he, as we can. But I bet you Greece said the same. I bet you Greece said the same. Well, the spirit of Greece. We've spoken about this, Scott. Do you know what? If Scotland win the Euros, I'll get Steve Clark's face tattooed in my face, right? So you already have. I'm not going to do it. That's it. I'm not going to do anything. I could just be like, oh, that's me done it. But I, I do think maybe not so much against England at Wembley. I think I said to you the other day uh, in the Scotland preview. I think we'll maybe be in that game a bit tougher to break down that will be the, the tactics we go with but against the Czech Republic and perhaps against Croatia depending on how the group lies when we get to that game I think we might see Scotland playing um, with a bit more flair and a bit more attacking uh, prowess than, than what we might have seen Steve Clark teams do in the past 
What about you, Gabe? Would you like to see the, the shackles come off? Are you quite because obviously you're someone who's seen Steve Clark and, and different modes of Steve Clark more than any of us here, due to being a, a Killy fan, obviously. But um, would you like to see him take the shackles off, or have you seen that happen before and, and seen Killy get battered or, or whatnot? Or yeah, well, I mean, I think it's sort of slightly. I think because most people probably would have seen Steve Clark's Kelly against Rangers or Celtic because that's when they yeah. were on the television. I don't think necessarily most games Steve Clark's commander team were actually very defensive now they were obviously the, the priority was not to concede but it's not like we went any game against Hampton Motherwell sitting deep and trying not to concede I think people just got that impression because he went into those games against Rangers and Celtic and did very well in those games I think I mentioned on the last podcast and came out with results so I, I, I think I think Scott's right I think you probably will see a bit of that at Wembley but I think in home games against Croatia and the Czech Republic, then I think you probably will see a more open score. And the, the, the other thing is, I think, uh, maybe we'll kind of come on to it a bit more later, but the, the Czechs are weakest in defence, so they're not going to want to come out and let this be a sort of cagey defensive game because they don't have the defensive players to do that. They'll come out and they'll be, you know, they'll push their fullbacks right up. They've got the two big lads, uh, Kral and Sojek in the middle. They'll want to make a game of it. And, you know, Scotland aren't uh, particularly blessed, certainly at the centre of defence anyway. So I, I just think it's not going to be, certainly on Monday, I think it's not going to be the kind of game where you can be sort of cagey and sit in because I don't think the Czechs, unlike probably England and Croatia, are going to have a sort of a lot of possession. You can just stay in your shape and do that. I think they'll come right out, right from the start. They'll try and press high and be aggressive and Scotland will have to react to that. So I, I would not expect on Monday at all for it to be a sort of, KG in defensive game. Funny you mentioned before about um, being seen as a defensive-minded manager, but you know I've seen Jordan Jones on loan for the last six months, and I'm telling you right now he cannot defend. Uh, <laughs> he's very much a get forward, and if he loses it, the uh, the left back or the right back can deal with that. Um, talking, talking about like the Czech Republic and the, the players that they've got and the, the players that they used to have and the Nedveds and all that kind of stuff. Did you know that the the Czech Republic actually have? Um, one of only two Premier League players that you can actually get at a barbecue, uh, Patrick Berger, and the other one being Paolo Wanchop. Um, anyway, we'll move on from that. That's a horrendous, horrendous pun. Well, I'm, I'm here for the I'm here for the comedy. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> touched before on the Czech Republic and, and what they're like, and you know, you look at the the Scotland results. We said two defeats in ten, a lot of draws couple of wins in there as well I think three wins I think it is if you take out the penalties and two two def, uh, two defeats five draws I think but don't quote me on it something like that the Czech Republic I looked at their results to try and get a, an idea of where they kind of formulate and it's in short it's a bit mental um they've lost against Wales they've lost against Scotland they've lost against Bulgaria they pulled up a 6-2 win against Estonia so they've obviously got firepower up front but can't really defend even against the the, the smaller sides they drew with Belgium, which is obviously a great result. They defeat, uh, defeated Slovakia, which obviously you've lost to recently. They beat Israel twice, which we've already touched on Israel. Um, and they beat Albania 3-1. So there's like a big mix of results there, Scott. Um, High-scoring games, beating teams that, you know, the likes of Scotland haven't within their last 10 games, and yet losing to teams that Scotland haven't lost to or and then also getting a draw against Belgium in the middle of it all. Like, what kind of Czech Republic team are we going to get here? Um, is it going to be the, the 6-2 over Estonian drawing with with Belgium, or are we going to get the, 
getting defeated off uh, Wales in the side that you seen last time you, you beat them 1-0 when Ryan Fraser scored? Uh, hopefully the, the team that we've seen when we beat them. That was terrifying, by the way. Your, your screen just froze and you moved forward at the same time and became unfroze and you became very small and very big. It was a bit like the Dougal scene in uh, Father Ted. Father Ted. Far away, very close. Anyway, close. move on. <laughs> uh, well, I was actually, I was looking at um, the team, the Czech Republic team, and obviously, as we've said in the previous shows, we don't know how they're going to line up because the um, friendly games were there for the managers to, to test things. And I was looking at uh, how they lined up against Albania and it was a sort of 4-2-3-1. Uh, and I think that with the way that they set up, there's there's a big space in the middle for us to exploit with the kind of centre mid and midfield players that we have. You know, McGinn, if McTominay's playing in there, David Turnbull's playing in there, then there is that big space. So I do think that that's where the game will be won or lost, is, is in there. I know we've said that um, in defence they're not very uh, strong or they're maybe not as strong as they used to be. But I'm hoping that we see the team that comes out that we beat the last time. I don't care um, if it's the most dire game I've ever seen in my life. And, you know, they've got 98% possession and the ball hits Shea Adams in the bum and goes in. But hopefully they don't come out and attack us too much because I think if they do, I would probably be a wee bit worried about that. You would have definitely said, I hope it goes in off his backside if you're in at the pub. No, I hope it goes in off his bum. Yeah, I said I hope it goes in off his arse, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think before, you know, we, we touched on the checks and we talked about Nedved and Poborski and Patrick Berger and all that kind of stuff that they used to have. But but Scott, it's a different team now and it's a, a totally different setup. Every every international team in this tournament is going to have a danger man or danger men. But who's the one for you? Who's the one that you're a bit like, I don't know if we'll handle him or not? Uh... I don't, I'm, I'm not sure. I think, obviously, uh, Suchek in the middle could be... Um, it depends. If you're talking about going forward or if you're talking about in defence, you know, they, they have a couple of very decent players who I think could potentially cause us trouble. And you see, you know, they've obviously got Derrida, who I think is a good player. Um, he played just he played just off um, Schick in the, the game against Albania. And, you know, obviously, as you say, Graham, having watched him a few times this season, I do think that moving the ball forward, he is a good player. But again, I think it depends on how what formation they deploy. Because if he plays in behind, I don't think we've got too much to worry about. But if he plays more central, then... I think there might be a bit of an issue there. Go four, two, three, one. I think all the games I've seen of them, they always play four, two, three, one with Kral and Tocek as the holders, and then like, probably Dara down the hole. So I, th- I think whatever the team is, I think they'll be playing four, two, three, one. I've not seen them play anything. I, I find it so bizarre. I think, that they play, I think it's bizarre that they play. Sh- obviously, some advances in this pod, which will be a few, that they play Andre Shaluska at centre half, who was a really bad right back for us. That was. The only thing he did at Southern of note was took a picture of himself in a woolly hat in the bath eating pasta. Yeah. And well, that, I mean, there was oh, there's did. been discussion. I mean, I think they they know obviously for reasons we know because he's a terrible human being that Cadell uh, is out and he would obviously start. But there's been discussion in the Czech Republic that they were considering playing David Zima, who I think is 20 and has about two caps, and Thomas Hollesch, who is either a right back or defensive midfielder. 
they were like, well, we could just play those two at centre-back because they both play for Slavia and Sofal at right-back and um, Borgil at left-back are both either current or former Slavia. So the, the, the sort of discussion in the Czech media was, well, the defence is so bad, why don't we just play four who all know how to play together? Because, as you say, Chilishka is not great and Kalas, you know, with all due respect, is a sort of journeyman championship player who's playing for... Bristol City, City you know, Kalas is definitely one of those players that, like, he started at Chelsea, didn't he? And he's kind of gone, yeah. oh, he'll be good. He just won't make it at Chelsea. And all of a sudden, he's at, like, Bristol City after being at, like, I don't know, Huddersfield, Middlesbrough. Like, he's, yeah, he's, you wouldn't want to go into a tournament with him at centre half, let's be honest. Um, it's a very, it's a vastly different Czech team, which I feel like we've totally wrote off a little bit, but I'm sure we shouldn't. But, but, but Suchek would be the one, one I'll be looking at. I think he's got three in his last three qualifying games in the World Cup qualifiers, and obviously he got ten, I think, last season for, for West Ham, and he's very much in the mould of Maro and Fellaini, who was, people laughed at him, but he was he was signed by twenty five uh, for twenty five million by Man United for a reason. He, he was a key cog in that Everton team for so long. And I see Suchek doing exactly the same job that Fellaini did for for um, Moises Everton as, as he is for Moises West Ham. Um, God, I hate David Moyes, but that's another story for a different day. <laughs> um, Jacob, are, are you kind of in the same sort of field that Suchek's kind of the, the main the main danger man for you? I mean, I sort of agree with Scott. There's a few... There's a few playmakers. Like I, I really think Sufal was unbelievable in the Prem this season. Like he was he was really sort of just under the radar brilliant. Um, I think he was obviously doesn't score the goals like Suchek does, but he chipped in with God knows how many, you know, assists and like, he touched on with Sheck, he bangs him. But then Vidra Burnley's look good. Whenever, you know, Barnes or Woods or Rodriguez got injured and he came on, like he, he has a bit about it. And like we've talked on before, we're a bit weaker at centre-half. Like, I think Schick, Vidra and Sutrek will be the ones that probably will be causing you problems. But Sufa will get, he'll get assists for them. It's probably... Yeah, the interesting as well for Sufa, like, I mean, both the full-backs will really push on. And we're obviously sort of strongest down the left. But then if you've got Sufa pushing up like he will and uh, Masapus to plays for... Slavia, who is a good player. I mean, I don't think he's a world beater, but he's a good player. And then, you know, it'll be interesting to see, does our left side get pinned back by those two being as adventurous as they will be? Especially if you play, like, say, Patterson, he ends up playing. Like, I think he can sometimes be a bit more adventurous, obviously on the right side, if we're talking about both fullbacks bombing forward. Like, he might leave a bit more space behind him. If yeah. he is going up there, if they do start, and that could be something where we end up getting caught out. Talked on the England preview shows about the, the the depth that England have and how good that feels. But then you look through Scotland's team, and I was thinking about like you know the the discussion that we would have on who would be in your starting eleven, and I kind of realised how much how many options there are in midfield at the moment. I mean, I know there's two trains of thought when it comes to this and I've got my own on what I would do if I was Steve Clark. Obviously I'm not. Um, but Gabe, if you were to go into the game on Monday, there's a lot of discussion around Davy Temple. Should he play? Billy Gilmore, should he play? But, but Scotland are really strong in midfield. You've got McGregor, who's been a, he's been a stalwart for a while there. He's played 49 games this season. So he's actually played the second highest amount of games as a, the risk of burnout, he's coming from a, a bad season, but it'd be harsh to drop him. John McGinn's arguably, in my opinion, your key player. 
Um, you've got McTomney in there as well. Do you break up that midfield that got you there and, and go for Davy Turnbull and, and Billy Gilmore, or do you stay with what's got you there and, and the tried and tested and change it if need be? Yeah, look, I think you've got to stay with with what got you there. Um, I've been, uh, apart from I said the, the Serbia games and convention, I've been a bit of a skeptic of McGregor in a Scotland shot, but I think especially at a tournament, you know, uh, with the a big thing being harmony in the squad, I don't know if you can just bomb a guy out who has got you there in favour of a very, very talented, but a 19-year-old who's played, what, 25 minutes of football for Scotland, or, well, slightly more, obviously, come on, uh, in, in the two friendlies. I think, as well, Turnbull um, and Gilmore, very good good players, but young players, and I think against, especially the two, as we've mentioned, Kral and Socek, that will sit in that Czech midfield, you know, that's a... A good, a good midfield. Uh, you would, I mean, it's maybe not the most technical midfield, although I mean, Kral can play, and you know, so check. I mean, it's not, he's not exactly a donkey, but I think you need um, McTominay in there because those are two big guys who, you know, I mean, you're. Not, I don't think you want to go in and make it a physical battle against two big guys like that. But then I think if you, so you, McTominay sort of picks himself. McGinn, you know, I, I, I think has has to play. I mean, I have. I have my sort of scepticism about again, not for you know, he pops up with goals and that, which is important. I sometimes sort of worry about that he's not the best technically. I think his first touch lets him down at times, but I don't think you can realistically go in and drop him again. So the only one would be do you put in Gilmore from McGregor? And I just think, I mean, A, I don't think there's any chance Steve Clark does it. I might, I was very impressed with Gilmore, particularly against Luxembourg when he came on, but I just I don't think that well, you can go into a tournament and, you know, a guy that's played for what took what coming up three years now because of the COVID delay that's been in that midfield for three years and has got you there. And then in the first game of the tournament, you know, home game, the first tournament game for 23 years, suddenly bomb him out and put in a 19-year-old uh, midfielder who has two substitute appearances and friendlies. However talented he is, and I think he's hugely talented, I just think... I just don't think that's the kind of thing. I think we as a sort of fans and pundits, you can go, well, you know, if he's if he's good enough, he's old enough. I think as a manager, you're not only managing, you're not only just picking the best team or picking what you think, but you have to manage that squad. And I think it's just not something that Clark will do, in my opinion. Talking about saying McGregor had a bad season. I've actually quite enjoyed him. I thought he was really good in the old firms, both the one we got sent off and when he got the winner. So... If you are listening, Callum, <laughs> thanks very much. Um, Scott, same sort of you then. Um, you're obviously a, a huge Davy Turnbull fan and, and have been since before he went to uh, Celtic. Mm -hmm. he's, he's done well. He's, he's, he's certainly not, in the two games he's played, he's certainly not shown himself up with anything. He's been one of the better players and Billy Gilmore is obviously immensely talented. But then you've got, as Gabe was saying before, you've got three guys who've got you there and the three immensely talented players as well um, that are probably deserve their place in the squad but but does that go out the window for you did it go out the window when you say look yeah I know they got us here and stuff like that but I don't care about um loyalty I want to see us win games and, and qualify yeah I don't think so no I think I would agree um with Gabe and the same goes for the right back position as well you know a lot of people are are calling for Parson to be an over over O'Donnell um and obviously you know as a Motherwell fan in my opinion, if 
Patterson had hit the scene maybe six months earlier, then O'Donnell wouldn't be playing. And likewise, in the well, middle he, he of the did, field... He did hit the scene. That's why he was banned for eight games, mate. <laughs> uh, not early enough, didn't he? Didn't hit the Scottish <laughs> scene, did he? We're still waiting. Uh, I, Give me Nathan. Um, so I'm, I'm going to tell him you said that. Um, you listened to but in right the middle, now. I think, aye, I know. That's why you're telling. <laughs> uh, we... No, to answer your question, I don't think that you can do that. And as, as you know, uh, cards to the table, obviously I'm a Motherwell fan, I do love David Turnbull, but I've also said previously that I'm also a, a big Callum McGregor fan, and I know that he's formed this year, I don't think, for Celtic, I don't think any of the sort of Celtic players have had great form this year, but like Gabe said, I, I don't think you can just bomb him out and then stick Billy Gilmer in or David Turnbull, because I think there is also a risk that if you throw one of them in and they have a nightmare, now, not that I'm saying that they would, but Scotland fans are not the most forgiven. Just ask Ollie McBurney um, how forgiven Scotland fans are. And, you know, I think the time is coming to build them into the squad, but uh, for me, I stick with, you know, the, the sort of three we mentioned, McTominay's in the middle uh, with McGinn and McGregor in there. It's an important question, I think, so I'm going to throw it at all of you. So, 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 Jacob, same with you. I mean, do you go with the, the tried and tested three or do you go... No, nah, I'm going to throw the grenade in here and yes, just <laughs> basically be the kind of armchair football fan sort of opinion. Like, I'll be honest, for me, I wanted Gilmore and Patterson in the squad, but I also wanted Brian Gold. I felt like that was someone we could have had behind a Lyndon Dykes or a Shea Adams in. I don't think he is like a Patterson or Gilmore in the fact that he's not had enough football. He's like been lighting it up over in Portugal. And, he, you know, I think he would have been something that was great to be there, but obviously he's not. So to work with what we've got, I, I can hear what you're saying with it, how bad Scotland fans can be. But I, I think I'm of that opinion. If a player's good enough, stick them in and see. I know it was against Luxembourg and it was against 10-man Luxembourg. When Patterson came on and when Gilmore came on, they seemed to have something a little bit different. Like they seemed to have like a different spark, something that can win you a game. And we're not we might not win the Euros, like obviously we'll we're definitely not gonna win the Euros, but you might as well try and get these players that are going to be the spine of your team for, you know, the next World Cup, the next Euros, the next thing in there. Get them you know, get them used to this sort of pressure. And I just think, I mean, John McGinn, Scott McTominay are, are stairs in there. I actually think Scott McTominay bags a goal or two for us. Um, he's been, you know, a sort of threat for Man U. And I think that's interesting. If we had had Ryan Jack, he didn't really give us that element, whereas I think McTominay is someone, someone that does. Um, I think for us, centre-half's the tough one. It's whether you start sort of Grant Hanley in there or uh, Liam Cooper for me. Um, personally, I'd go Liam Cooper. I think Grant Hanley's just got a big mistake in him. Like, in, and you see it sometimes. Even a ball's coming down, you just, I get the jitters. Like, uh, I just, I've no idea what he's going to end up doing with it. Um, I mean, Declan Gallagher as well, to be fair. It would probably Liam Cooper or Declan Gallagher. I wouldn't mind alongside Jack Hendry and Kieran Tierney. Um, up top, there's been a lot of talk of uh, Lyndon Dyke starting, but Shea Adams just a different pedigree. You know, he can be banging in goals and 
the championship and no disrespect to QPR, but it's, it's different to doing it for Southampton. And I'd actually be more interested in seeing more of Kevin Nisbet. Like, he seems like he's going to be someone that could be there in the future. Um, we'd have no problem if we, you know, decided Turnbull in and behind. I'd prefer him to Christie. I think he's better form, but I think it's good there's these headaches. How many times have we went into... You know, a tournament, you've looked at the squad list and you're like, can we borrow some players for you know, the other teams? Whereas it's it's good to have this headache. I even think Stuart Armstrong, I'd start over Callum McGregor. I think he's, he's again, a threat. Like, sometimes he can go missing in a game. And I think Callum McGregor's a bit more consistent for Scotland. But, again, he's just got something that, you know, other players don't have. He's maybe got that X factor that I think, you know, you don't really get with Callum McGregor. Funniest thing I've seen ages, just because you mentioned Ryan Jack, was I seen a Celtic fan refer to him yesterday, or a couple of weeks ago, sorry, as Ryan Union Jack, which I thought was just <laughs> tremendous patter. Tremendous patter. I believe, I believe there's a, I probably shouldn't name names, I believe there's somebody in the journalism industry who gets referred to as Union Jack because of his... Uh, <laughs> Is it me? <laughs> no, it's <laughs> I did see um what what was the one I seen this morning? It was it was Che Adams's face photoshopped on a Pele. A Chile, that was it, Chile, which I thought was quite good. <laughs> um relatively funny. Um Scott, obviously we've we've had a bit of a discussion about what team and stuff you'll play. Jacob's give us is his. Um what what's your starting eleven? Uh <clears throat> I don't know. To be honest, I really... Well, that's I not very know. good for the podcast, mate. It's, it's, it's not, <laughs> so uh, a good night, and I'll see you on the uh, review on Monday, and if we win, that was my start in the living, and if we don't. <laughs> um, I don't know, I mean, sort of looking at this, the squad, you know, I, I struggle for, for goalkeeper. I think I would probably go with Marshall and goals uh, over, over Craig Gordon, just... Uh, what, about, what about John McLaughlin? I, I hate when people discount John McLaughlin because he's the best John, goalkeeper you have. John John McLaughlin for me shouldn't be in the squad. Um, wow, I think Gregor's the best goalkeeper we have. He just doesn't want to play for us. I, yeah. That's it. No, exactly, absolutely. If, if he wanted to come out of the retirement, then um, <clears throat> we would do that. However, I'll go with David Marshall of the three who are in the squad. Um, I sat next to David Marshall on a train once before he was the David Marshall. Before he was famous. Bit of a waste now, yeah. Going down Akron in a way, and he was playing for Wigan, I think, that day. And I kind of just stared at him intently for ages, like, why do I know your face? Oh, yeah, you're David Marshall. And then it was kind of like a mutual understanding of it. My my other half went to Simon Lappin's wedding. So Simon Lappin of uh, St Mirren and Norwich. Norwich fame. Um, along with Motherwell as well. Uh, scored the winner in a 1-0 at Celtic Park when Bob Malcolm gets sent off after 30 minutes. He looks and, uh, Spanish, Simon Lappin. He looks Spanish. Yes, he's the King of Spain. That's, that's his name, Simon Lappin. Ah, King of Spain. Oh, well, there you go. Simon and, uh, Lappin, King of Spain. Anyway, the, 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 the tenuous link of the day is that David Marshall turned up to the wedding in a Lamborghini. Nice. Oh, Before... it's a Lotus, actually. I'm, I'm reliably informed from behind me that it was a Lotus. Um, which is a bit less class than a Lamborghini, so you can just edit that a bit. It's like, yeah, he turned up in a Vauxhall Nova, it was smashing. Um, so I, he's playing, anyway. He's going in gold. <laughs> Defence, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah, Robins, uh, Robinson, Steve Robinson, Robertson, Andy Robertson, 
I don't know if I would go with four at the back or three. Um, go for three. I think I think I would agree with uh, probably Liam Cooper. Uh, mm-hmm. I think of the defenders, he's probably had the most consistent. Although Jack Henry played well the other night, and he's had a pretty good season. Uh, Andy called a guy uh, a fucking space cadet in the changing rooms uh, after he conceded the goal. So you want I want folk like that, you know, in my team, but passionate and get him in. You know, that's, that's, that's like that's like the John McGinn situation calling Sean Dice a fucking big prick. Was it? <laughs> I was caught, aye. aye. So um, one of those two, um, and then probably Stephen O'Donnell, maybe. Um, I don't. I, I, honestly, I'm really. I, I'm struggling. I don't know where he's going to go. Um, midfield, I would definitely have obviously McGinn, McTominay. Uh, maybe I'm going to stick with McGregor as well. Um, maybe Turnbull, and then I would. No, go... you're leaving the cap on the grenade. Don't try bag it now. Like... No, no. Well, you said I was going for three at the back, so I've, I've got to stick mm. somebody else in there. So, you know, if, if I'm, you know, if I'm having four or five in the midfield, then I've got to put somebody in. And not having Dicky at centre half. He's still mad at him that he left. No, not at all. Um, he's actually not left yet. He doesn't leave until the end of June, so Mother will have two players at the Euros. Um, yeah, I've heard this. The, the reason that I, brought that up. <laughs> the reason, what was that? I said Mother will have got two players at the Euros uh, in case anybody didn't hear. Um, the reason I'm not having Decky in is he's not played much club football since Christmas. Um, and I, mean, I love he's him. Good, he's a good lad, though. And he's a great player, and you know he's never let Scotland down. But. Um, I think Liam Cooper's probably on the better form for the games he's played. And, you know, as I say, I'll always be as unbiased as I possibly can um, with that. But up front, I'm going to go for Adams as a start. And I wouldn't mind seeing Adams. We talked about this the other day. I wouldn't mind seeing Adams in this, but up front against the Czech Republic. Is that 11? Is that 10? How many have I got now? I think I've got a... It's funnier. It's funnier if it's ten, but I think it's eleven. We've <laughs> got a squad of fourteen. Like we're just going to play because they put up to a twenty-six man squad, so we're allowed to play fourteen players. So. Who are you going to put in goal? Craig Gordon and John McLaughlin and David Marshall, and then uh, I, I feel like we'll go tight at the back. Um, Gabe, who, who would be your starting fifteen? As since we're expanding squads now. <laughs> right. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I mean, am I going for what I think will be the starting eleven, or what I would pick as the starting eleven? You, you go for your starting 11, especially if you're taking the grenade out. Right, uh, no, well, all right, all right, right, well, I'll take a bit of a grenade out, right. So I think 3-5-2, I think, is, I just think is the right formation. I think where we're weakest is probably up front and in defence. It gets an extra man in there. Where we're strongest is midfield and left back. It gets Robertson and Tierney both in the team and gets your midfield three. So I would stick with 3-5-2. I'd probably pick... Marshall and goal as well. I think I think Gordon's a better shot stopper, but he's got he's got a rick in him, and I don't. I think there are shots that Gordon would save that Marshall wouldn't, but I don't really expect a howler from Marshall. Tierney left centre back, obviously. I'd have Hendry at right centre back. I'd have. I think he'll play Hanley. I'd have Cooper at centre back. I mean, Hanley's defending on set pieces in that Luxembourg game. 
gave me the absolute fear, especially when you're coming up against Socek, who, I mean, I know this isn't true because I checked it and he wasn't the Premier League top scorer, but in my mind, he scored a header from a corner every week for West Ham. Um, then I'd have, yeah, I'd have O'Donnell, uh, right wing back, Robertson at left wing back, uh, McTominay and McGregor in midfield. And this is where I'll throw the grenade in. I would put Gilmore in instead of McGinn. Because I think, especially against those two Czech defensive midfielders who I think are good players, physically dominant players, I think you want technical guys against them like Gilmore and McGregor. McGinn is a good player. As I said, I've got questions over his technique. I've just got visions of him failing to control the ball and just getting it nicked off him. And then I'd go for Dykes and Adams up front. Uh, Dykes missed a lot of chances the other day, but the two big moments of the game, the goal was Dykes setting up Adams and the red card was Adams playing a through ball for Dykes. So I think they've got the beginning of a good understanding. So the grenade I'm going to throw is that I'm papping John again out my team and I'm putting Gilmore in for him instead of uh, McGregor. That was lesser a grenade, more of a like, full-scale bombed building. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like throw a grenade in. God, no, not that much. Jesus. Um <laughs> Interesting, but I can understand the thinking behind it. Um, I don't think that'll happen. I think it, I think McGinn definitely yeah, play him again. If I was doing it, that's what I'd do. You play him again, I think. I think you're right. Um, before I let everyone go, we'll go really quick score predictions. And I'm going to go goal and goal scorers, unless you go for nil nil, which would be horrendously boring. Um, Jacob, I'll go with you first since it's been the longest since I've spoke to you. Um, who's your what's your score? Who's your scorers? Uh, one nil, Scott McTomney. Scott? Uh, 2-1, Adams and O'Donnell. Jesus. Uh, Gabe? Uh, I'm going to go 2-2. I think Dykes and Adams for us. Socek from a Grant Hanley mistake on a corner and Sheck for (laughs) them. I'll go 1-0, Ryan Fraser late on. Same as last time. Other way around. Lake Gold was nearly goal. But um, guys, thanks for joining. Thanks for coming on for your first time. Jacob, hope you enjoyed it. Scott, I know you enjoy it because you keep coming back. Um, Gabe, I'm hoping you enjoyed it because you came back again. If you're listening, subscribe on that. People are actually listening to us, weirdly enough. I've never said it in my life. I don't care enough. And people have subscribed recently. I think I've got like 12 in the past couple of days. But fair play to you for subscribing. Thanks very much. Um, if you do subscribe, it means you get the episodes whenever I release them. And sometimes I release them randomly at quarter past 12 at night when I'm in bed and you don't even expect it. And then you've got some late night listening when I'm telling everyone if that was nine o'clock. So yeah, keep an eye on that. But um, yeah, hope you win on um, Sunday. Use us, we, we kind of, obviously just behind England for this reason. Um, but thanks so much for joining us, lads. Yeah.